Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. We are in the fourth and final week of We Were Wrong. We've been going through trying to correct our misconceptions of God, right? These things that maybe we grew up believing or we started to believe along the way. In 2004, I had kind of this crossroads moment. I'd been accepted to a seminary here in Rochester. I had a job at a church that I worked at for quite a while. And uh, Amy and I were pretty newly dating at that point. And then I kind of had another opportunity come through. I got accepted at a seminary in Chicago, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. And I had a friend offer me a job out there. And it became this plausible thing of like, you know, I could move to Chicago, right? I've lived right around here since I was three. I was born in Maine, but we moved down here when I was young. And so I could go to another part of the, the country. My sisters lived there at the time. And it was like, you know, a feasible thing. So I remember going out and like going to kind of tour around, you know, could I live in Chicago, and I, I don't think long-term, especially now, I could ever live in a place with traffic like that. Um, but just kind of going out and being like, all right, God, what is it that you would have for me? Which one of these two options is the right option? And I remember really just kind of God being like, yeah, either one. Either one's good, right? You could, you could pick this one, you could pick that one. It wasn't this real clear sense of like, this is what you have to do, and this is a failure to follow God's will. Now, truthfully, what I really wanted uh, was for Amy to be like, please don't go, like stay with me, right? Let's, let's have beautiful daughters, and uh, if you know Amy, she wasn't gonna do that. She was like, yeah, if you think you should go, you should go. Uh, so I stayed, uh, and we did have beautiful daughters, so I guess I won that. But I believe there are times in life, maybe a lot of times, where you come to a crossroad of two good options, and God says, well, what are you going to choose? Which one are you going to do? And that flies in the face of what I thought in my younger years, because I thought that God had one perfect path for my life. That's what I thought. Now, in order to really understand this topic, we have to do a little bit of work up front on the nature of God. Hopefully that will be more exciting than it sounds, but basically what we need to get is that God doesn't exist on a timeline. Being both omnipresent, which means God is everywhere, and omniscient, meaning God knows everything, it means that God doesn't exist on a timeline like you and I do. So timeline example, I realized last night I did this backwards, right? So we'll say this is like 1980 because that was a good year for me. I was born that year. It used to not be that long ago, but now it sounds like a long time ago. And you move forward, right? And you've got the 90s and 2000 and 2000, and you come all the way up to 2023. Now you and I, we exist in a spot on this timeline, right? I can look back and I remember some stuff, I can look for it, and, and I've got nothing, right? And so we're here, and that's how we have it. Now, God is back from the timeline, and he can see. He can see back to the 1980. He can see 2000. He can see 2020. He can see 2040. He can see the entire picture, and so that really sets him apart from us, right? We didn't see 2020 coming, but God did. I mean, right now, we don't even know what the rest of this year will bring. It's three months, and we don't know what it will bring. We can make guesses, right? We've got ideas, but we certainly don't know. God, on the other hand, he does know. He can see it. 
He knows what's gonna happen in the next presidential election. I'm trying to convince him it's a good time to come back before that. It just feels like a clean thing to do, right? He knows when or if the Bills will ever actually win the Super Bowl. He does. You know, we might all be just wasting our time, right? Just one before I die. God's like, yeah, it's not going to happen, right? Or it is. It's going to happen this year. Like, I don't know, but he does. He knows what your next job will be, or he knows if this is the job you take all the way to retirement. And so the temptation with that is to think, okay, well, if God knows, then it's all pre-programmed. And we're just here, we're kind of carrying out what God has put in place. And if we believe that, it's problematic in a lot of ways. One, there's, there's no point in praying. You know, God knows what's gonna happen in the next presidential election. It does not stop me from praying about it every single morning. Because there's a difference between him knowing all of that and knowing what has happened and what will happen and him dictating all of that. Because God is a God of free will. He is a God of choices. He allows us to choose. He allows us to choose if we love him, if we follow him. He allows us to choose who we marry or if we don't get married, as long as they also agree. Like, that's an important caveat in there. He allowed you to choose whether or not you came to church today. Or for some of you, a spouse or a parent might have helped in that choice. But we have free will to make choices. Because if, if you think people don't have free will, and you carry that forward, people eventually decide that what this must mean is that God has one perfect path for your life. He knows what step you will choose. Yes, he can see the whole path. And so then he must know if it's a right or wrong step at each moment, as if going to Chicago meant that I was outside of God's perfect will for my life, and staying in Rochester meant that I was inside of his will. That's what I thought. I thought that God had one perfect path for my life, but we were wrong. Here's what I've learned instead. Following God is less about finding that one perfect path and more about becoming the person he wants us to be on the path that we're on. That is what's really important. It's not this like board game of like, okay, did I miss a step back here? It's who am I being right now? How am I living right now on the path that I'm on? That is God's primary concern. One of the most common things that pastors are asked is, how do I discover God's will for my life, right? How do I figure that out? And I just wanna say up front, if that is a question that you're asking and that you're wrestling with, it is a good thing. The fact that you want to know and presumably follow God's will is great. I remember being a teenager at someone's wedding and I was over at the cake table, obviously, and I saw napkins, and it had the names on them. And I, I think it was Joel and Kathy, if I remember correctly. And I saw these, you know, cursive names, like baby blue handwriting, and I thought, you know what would be really cool is if God could just show me a napkin like that. So then I knew, right? It'd be like, oh, no, okay, this name, no, you're out, right? It's John and Amy. I saw a napkin, it's John and Amy. I thought that would be really cool if I could do that. It would really clean some things up, right? It would have saved a lot of people a lot of trouble. Might have made some stuff difficult or awkward with other Amy's. It's like a pretty common name, you know, be like, what's up, Amy, you're on the napkin, so this is going to get pretty serious, and turns out it's the wrong Amy. But that's the kind of assurance that we want, right? We're like, God, you know, so please just tell me. We'd love to have that, especially at uncertain points in our life. And so we read a verse like Jeremiah 29, 11, which is a great verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we read that and we say, okay, so God knows, right? God knows the plans he has for us. So maybe you could share that information with me, God. Like if you know, share it with me. Are your plans to prosper me and give me a hope and a future in Chicago or in Rochester? 
Of course, we ignore that these words were written for Jews in exile in Babylon and that he was telling them this captivity wasn't the end of their story or their history as his people. He hadn't forgotten them, he hadn't left them, he hadn't given up on them. But what we read is, okay, God knows where I should go to college, he knows who I'm gonna marry, and he knows what my career will be. And again, not that God doesn't know those things, he knows what we will choose in each of those areas. But he's also much more concerned with the person that you're going to be at that college. He's much more concerned with the type of person that you're going to marry. Are they a Christ follower who's going to want to raise your family to bring him glory? He's much more concerned with the type of husband or wife that you will be if you will honor him with your career. That is where his primary concern comes. And when we're looking for God's will, we have this tendency also to to lean on a couple other great verses in the Old Testament from Proverbs. And this actually, I think, gets us much closer uh, to where we need to be. I love this passage or these couple verses. This is actually, when I guest preached here in November 2010, this was the text I used. I don't think any of you know that, and so it's okay. It's not a test. Um, I remember it, but it was a big day for me. It said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make make your paths straight. Those are some other verses we're really drawn to in seeking God's will. And that's pretty clear, right? If we want God to make our paths straight, to direct our paths where we're going, we have to trust him fully and completely. We have to put down our own desire to understand everything, to make everything make sense in our mind, and we have to submit to him in all of our ways. If you're trying to uncover God's will for your life, I would definitely recommend sitting with these verses more than Jeremiah 29, 11, just clinging to that and saying, God, you know, please tell me. But I really like our main passage for today the most in this area, which is why it's our main passage. Paul is writing a letter to the Christ followers in Thessalonica. And at the conclusion of his letter, he says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's one of those lines in scripture that should just get your attention, right? If that doesn't wake you up a little bit, that doesn't make you sit up in the chair and say, this is God's will for me in Christ Jesus, then we're missing out. Here are the verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 24. Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let me just pull a few things out of this scripture as we move forward. First, he said, pray continually. We need to be a person of prayer. And I understand this is a church, we're gonna tell you to pray, that's like 101. But if you want to get to know God's will, you're going to have to get to know him. Now, the other side of this coin is coming later because you don't have to wait until you know him perfectly before you start doing what he says. That's a cop-out delay tactic that we use far too often. Like, well, I'm just still trying to get to know the Lord. We'll start doing some things as well. But getting to know him is a great way to show him that you're taking this seriously, that you really do want to know him and know his will. Don't just pray, God, I wanna know your will, and then sit back and say, I can't wait for him to answer that prayer. Get to know him. Read his words, read about his nature, who he is, learn about him, talk about him, talk to him, try to listen to him. 
Amy and I were really good friends for several years, like three or four years before we started dating. We'd work together, we'd become good friends, but when we were transitioning from being friends to being more than friends, we spent hours every night on the phone, right? That's what you do. There's no other way, there's no shortcut for getting to know someone other than investing your time and your energy in that relationship and getting to know someone more and more. And a relationship with God is no different. A pastor friend of mine said this summer, getting your meals at the drive-thru, it's quick and it's easy, but you're probably not going to be happy with the results if you do that a lot, right? Physically, you're not gonna be happy with the results. And if you try to live your life with a drive-thru mentality about God, right? You're not investing any real time or energy in getting to know him. You're not spending time with him. You're doing all the stuff you have to do and then you're like, shoot, I gotta leave in five minutes. I haven't spent any time in prayer in the Bible. I'm gonna feel guilty about that all day. Okay, I got five minutes, God, let's go, right? Let's hustle, let's do this, right? You're just pulling up to the window and you're saying, okay, I'll have uh, one God's will for my life, supersized, right? And then you're, you're taking off. And you can do that, but you're not going to be happy with the results spiritually. So spend the time, take the time, invest in that relationship, pray continually. It is God's will for your life. Second thing is give thanks for where you are right now. Paul said, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that Andrea kind of hit on this a little bit in the prayer, right, uh, of saying when she said, hey, just stop and take 30 seconds and thank God for something. Some of you were like, for what, right? I don't have anything, right? But that's not what Paul says. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. God desires for you to be content and grateful in your life. Now, not complacent, but content. I think it's always important that we clarify that when talking about contentment because the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain, but that doesn't, need we meet, that doesn't mean we need to be complacent. If you've been thinking, you know what, I'm gonna enroll at GCC, I'm gonna earn a degree that will allow me to get a job I actually enjoy, then don't hear me saying you have to be content with your life and decide, well, I guess God just wants me to stay here forever. The condition of your heart during that journey makes a substantial difference. I mean, there is a pretty significant difference between I hate my life, God, why would you do this to me? Why am I stuck here? And I'm gonna work hard to improve myself and improve my circumstances. You can do one of those two things with gratitude in your heart. You can give thanks in all circumstances on one side of that. But far too often, we allow our circumstances to be a measure of whether or not we are in God's will. We think if the circumstances of my life are good right now, then it must mean that I'm following God's will. But if I encounter difficulties, right, if I encounter struggles, then it must mean I'm outside of God's will. And listen, hard truth, sometimes you are encountering problems because you're outside of God's will. You're playing stupid games and you're winning stupid prizes. And if you think that might be you, just hang on to that thought. Ask someone that loves you, they'll probably share it. But I'm gonna try and make that more clear in the next point. But we think or we've been told God has a wonderful plan for your life. And as long as you're at the center of God's will, you'll be blessed and things will be good, right? And the, the leaves will look great and the sun will shine. And sometimes you're in God's will but it's his will at the moment for you to struggle, for you to develop character like we talked about in the message last week. And so what did Paul tell us God's will is for us? To rejoice and to give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, even these circumstances, even difficult circumstances, even character developing circumstances. Even if you can't find anything else to say, I would suggest something like this. God, 
these circumstances are really difficult. This is a really tough chapter, but I'm gonna trust that you have a plan in them, so I thank you for what you're going to do through them, even though I can't imagine what it would possibly be. Right? That is a prayer of great faith. That is a place of deep trust, of saying, God, I have no idea how you're gonna use this, but I trust that you will, and I thank you for what you will do through them. That's how we can give thanks in all circumstances. If we follow the first step of praying continually and the second step, we give thanks for our circumstances, something deep within us will begin to change. Charles Spurgeon said, when joy and prayer are married, the firstborn child is gratitude. So find something. As Andrew said, pause, take 30 seconds and find something to be thankful for right now. Next up, in the passage, it said, do not quench the spirit, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't embrace what you know is wrong. Now he says, don't quench the spirit. How do we, what do we know? How do we quench the spirit? Well, we do it a few ways, right? We quench the spirit with our indifference, with our rejection. We quench the spirit with our distraction. What you feed lives, and what you starve dies. Right? What you feed lives, and what you starve dies. So if we feed the sin in our lives, right, our indifference to the Holy Spirit, if we feed the endless distractions in our lives, even if it's not things that are bad, it's just things that are constantly distracting us from the Spirit, if we do that and we starve the Spirit of God in our lives, we are not headed in a direction that any of us really want to go. And this is the point where we lose a whole lot of people on the I wanna know God's will for me train, right? This is where a lot of people get off because we claim that we wanna know what God's will is, but we're also not willing to follow what he's already clearly given us. And that's a problem. Now, it's always amusing to listen to the Dave Ramsey, show, Dave Ramsey Show. And if you're not familiar with Dave, he has financial advice, right? He's got some pretty specific things and you gotta live on nothing. You live like you're broke so you can get completely out of debt. And guess what? No matter how big your income is, if you don't have any debt, you start to feel pretty good financially. And so that's kind of his, his program. It's obviously more complicated than that. But people will call in and they know about Dave, right? They know what he stands for. They know what he teaches. And they'll be like, hey, Dave, uh, yeah, I make uh, $48,000 a year, I got a $60,000 uh, loan on my truck, and uh, I got an $84,000 camper, and uh, things are pretty tight, and I just wanna know what you think I should do. I'm like, why are you calling him? You haven't done anything he thinks you should do so far, or you haven't done any of that stuff. You can tell you to sell the truck and the camper. Like, you're gonna sell those by the end of the day if you listen to Dave, right? Don't do that to God. Don't come to him saying, God, I just wanna know your will for my life. I just wanna know what I should do. When you aren't even trying to do what he's already given you to do. It says reject every kind of evil. Don't embrace it. And that's not just what you determine to be evil. You're like, well, murder's evil. I won't do that, which is a really great start. And I wanna applaud that. But what about lying, right? That's that embracing evil. What about our relationships? What about our integrity? What about your sexual desires? Are you embracing evil in those areas? Don't cling to know what you know is wrong and simultaneously be asking God to guide and direct you. It's like eating a cheeseburger while running on a treadmill, right? Like I'm burning calories. Like you're gonna take in more than you can burn. It's a lot of calories for a cheeseburger. It's a, it takes a long time. 
I, there's a special place in my heart every time I see somebody riding a bike and smoking, right? I, I just, I always think, well, they're not riding for exercise, right? You're going to like a court appointment or something if you're riding on a bike and smoking. Don't cling to what you know is wrong and simultaneously ask God to guide and direct you. So stop sleeping with people that you're not married to while asking for God to send the right person for you. Stop asking God to send you a great new job when you're cheating and stealing and slacking at the job you currently have. Stop running up credit card debt for stuff you don't really need, never tithing and then asking God to bless your finances. Like you just financed a grill, of course stuff is tight. Here's a tip, you never have to pray about something and ask if it's God's concealed will for you if it already goes against his revealed will, right? So if something is in his word, it's in the Bible, he's already given it to us, we don't need to ask him about it. You don't need to say, God, should I go out and get hammered tonight? No, the answer is no, you shouldn't. God's not calling you to have an affair. He's not, oh, well, she understands me. There's a real connection. Stop. He's not leading you to move in together before you're married. You're like, man, that's just so much easier. The bills, rent is really high. God hasn't put you in a situation where you have no choice but to steal. He isn't setting things up perfectly for you to get revenge on someone who's wronged you. It's just like David and Saul in the cave. I mean, obviously, God's delivered them right into your hands. It's just not consistent with the heart and the nature of God. I mean, I can show you a ton of places in Scripture where God says it's not up to us to get revenge. We don't have to pray about that. God, should I stab this person in the back? No, the answer is no. He's already told you that. You don't have to ask him to show you something that he's already shown you. And if we're really serious about knowing God's will for our life, instead of embracing what we know is wrong, we need to be obedient to what you already know. Paul said, hold on to what is good. Hold on to it, reject what is evil, and hold on to what is good because there is right and wrong in this world. There is good and evil, and if you're trying to be a Christ follower, you are someone that is trying to push away the evil things in life, the things that are wrong, even if they feel good at the moment, even if they're easier, the easier path at the time. And instead, we're holding on to what is good to what is right, to what is honorable and pure. And as we do that, God's will becomes more and more known to us. God's will comes to us one step at a time as we take that step. That's why I love Psalm 119, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Because when you go outside, you know that lamp, that light just lights up enough for you to see the next step. We had an awesome time at Man Camp in Northgate's backyard here. Now, if you've never been back there in the disc golf course, way in the back, there's this huge meadow, a big clearing. And so that's where all the tents and campers and stuff were. And so we're back there, we're around the fire. And, you know, I got made fun of for this, but I'm not sleeping with dirty teeth. I don't care if I'm outside. So I'm like, I'm going to walk back into the church and brush my teeth because I take care of dental hygiene. I think it's important. So here I am, right? I got my little flashlight and it's 11 o'clock and it's pitch black. And I'm like, I can't see a thing, right? But I can see the step in front of me and the step in front of me and the step in front of me until I got back to the church so that I could have good teeth and not be teeth scummy in the morning. I did though, just truthfully, I got back here. The church was really dark and quiet and I thought, you know, I could sleep in here and no one would even know, right? All those suckers are out there in the ground and I was like, I can't do it and I got back out to the tent and I laid on the ground and it was so hard and I slept so poorly and I just kept thinking about all the couches that we have in this building. But God's will comes to us one step at a time. 
And I know we've become so fixated on all the long-term, big-picture stuff. And I get that, right? Who should I marry? Are my kids going to turn out okay? Will all the hard work I've put into my career ever really pay off? Will we have enough money to retire, travel, relax, enjoy all our hard work? But I think every time our focus goes all the way down there, God tells us that it will all come one step at a time. And so our responsibility is to take that one step, to do what you can do today. I love what Philip Yancey said about this, where he told us, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. Yes, we need to be people of prayer, as I said, but if you're just waiting for a magic wand that's gonna sprinkle a little Holy Spirit dust on you so you suddenly know God and you're able to do his will really easily, you're gonna be waiting there for a while. Instead, do the things in his revealed will today. I mean, if you want to know his will, start living your life according to his word. Don't, don't play both sides, though. Don't say, God, I'm gonna ignore everything you've already said to me, but I also really wanna know what you think I should do with the big decisions in my life. Take the words that Paul wrote to heart. Live them out right now. Not in a week, not in a month, not in a year, not when you think it will be easier. I actually in high school, and I'm not proud of this, and if you're in high school, maybe this will, will mean something to you, but I remember being in high school, going to church, going to youth group, hearing all this stuff, and believing it and knowing it was true, but also saying like, man, God, I'm in a public high school, this is gonna be pretty hard, right? You know what I really wanna be? I wanna be cool, and so what I'm gonna do is just push, I'm just put you over here on the shelf for a little bit, God, I'll go to a Christian college, and then it will be easy to be a Christian at a Christian college, which was something that I miscalculated because I was still there, and so I ended up finding other people like me, and then it was harder to be a Christian there. But I, that was my plan, right? God, I believe this is true, I believe what you're saying, and I'll get back to you, right? I'll get back to you when it's easier. And you get to a point where you realize, sooner or later, you just gotta say, hey, I'm gonna follow God no matter what the cost is. I'm not gonna wait for it to be easy. It's never going to become easier. Because when we put this all together, this picture, becoming a person of prayer, giving thanks for where you are right now, not embracing what is wrong, clinging to what is right, being obedient to what I already know, that is gonna show that you're no longer trusting in your own ability to control everything. You're not leaning on your own understanding, as Proverbs 3 said. You're not putting your trust in your ability to make everything turn out the way you want it to turn out. Instead, you will put your trust in God's faithfulness. The end of that passage said, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I love that so much. The one who calls you is faithful. You may not know where you're moving next. You may not know where you're going to school or if you should get married or if you should have kids or how many kids, but you know what you do know. Do you know what you can know for sure? That God is faithful. You can know that for sure. And you don't have to know all of that stuff if you're trusting in the one who does. If we live according to his will and the way that Paul has laid out in that message, he will take responsibility for where we end up. Paul said he will do it. So what it really boils down to for us is, are we willing to do that? To do what you know he's called you to do and then completely trust him with the outcome. I mean, do we really believe that God is for us or not? Do we really think that God makes all things work together for your good if you love him and you're called according to his purpose or don't you? Because if we do, we can become much less concerned about finding that one perfect path and much more focused on being the person that God wants us to be on the path that we're on right now. 
So if you're here today and you're in a stage of life where you're trying to find that perfect path, right? Maybe you're like, I gotta do this. I don't know, I'm paralyzed by this, right? And listen, if God gives you a clear sense and a push, then listen to him, right? I'm not saying that Jonah shouldn't have gone to Nineveh, right? I'm gonna say, hey, like either one was good. No, God was clear. But if you're there and God's saying, hey, you know what? Houghton's a good school, Roberts is a good school. What do you pick? What are you gonna do? I just want you to to take a deep breath and to exhale. If you're following God, if you're living according to his word, you aren't gonna miss his will like a flight that you're five minutes late to. Like, well, it took off, man. You're done. I guess you're on your own from here. Or if you're somebody living out their life and you're sure that you took a wrong step years back, maybe two years, maybe 10, maybe more, and that now you've completely missed the path. I want you to set yourself free from that. That is too much for anyone to bear. I know people who say, man, I was supposed to do this in my 20s and I didn't and God's been punishing me ever since. It is never too late to listen to what Paul told us to do in this message, to trust in God's faithfulness, to be a person of prayer, to give thanks right now in all circumstances, to not embrace what we know what is wrong and to be obedient to what we already know. Paul said that is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, I pray that your goodness would be apparent to all of us. That God, people in this room, no matter if maybe today is the first day they take a step towards you or God, they've been following you for decades. God, I pray that we would just be reminded of your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives. God, I thank you for the words that Paul ended with there, that you are faithful and you will do it. God, I pray that we would be people who live our lives in a way that shows we truly believe that. Or to the core of our being, we believe that you are faithful and you will do it. So God, help us take responsibility for what we can control or for the person that we are being on that path. God, help us to be faithful followers of Jesus. But Lord, we trust you with the results. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God is not done yet. And how do I know that? Because the God who called you is faithful and he will do it. If we are following him, we can trust him at his word. Let me give you a takeaway today. And it is to do the next right thing. Take that next right step and trust him with the outcome. Go today in the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again. Thanks again.